Hello and welcome to the Get Your Goat podcast. This is your host, Josh Moraney. Happy to be here. After a few days of inactivity, being busy at work, it is nice to be back here. How wonderful it is to be back talking about sports. And on this show, it's going to be more than sports. We got a great show today. I have to catch up on a few things, a few things that I had an opinion on. And the number one thing that I had an opinion on this past weekend, which I haven't got to yet because I haven't done a show, is this. And that is the Matthew Stafford trade. Ooh, when that news broke, was I upset. Ooh, when that news broke, could I not believe it. It was like I was reading it. Oh, Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions. Uh, There's some interest there with the Rams. I thought, okay, that's nice. You know, I can work with it. And then all of a sudden, that night, I get the breaking news on my phone. Matthew Stafford gets traded to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff, a third-round pick this year, and then two future first-round picks. My jaw dropped. I could not believe that the Lions did this. Now, let me tell you who won this trade. The Rams won this trade in a landslide. They finessed the Lions. A lot of people have been talking about the Lions finessing the Rams, of the Lions winning this trade, Lions getting so much better. I believe this was, an, this was a great haul for both teams. But as of right now, this was the trade to make for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, you have a quarterback who, outside of that uh, Super Bowl run in 2017-2018, has not looked anything like his previous self. He has not looked like the same quarterback since he's made it to the Pro Bowl, has been selected to the Pro Bowl uh, past this year, past year, the year before. Uh, he's not been the same quarterback. And he makes like $35 million. So they have a great defense. Number one defense in the league. They have depth. They have a great rushing attack, led by Cam Akers, a great offensive line. And now you kind of think, oh, my weakest link right now from preventing me from winning football games is my quarterback in Jared Goff. I got the receivers on the outside. I got Robert Woods. I got Cooper Cup. I got Higby. I mean, it's just Jared Goff and his ability to make throws. And they had an upgrade with Stafford. And it's an upgrade for two reasons. One is the contract. He actually has a friendly contract. It was a huge contract when he first signed, but really front-loaded those first three years. Well, this year he's only making like 20, low 20 million. Same with next year, loaded mid-20 million. Well, Jared Goff's eating up $35 million. So they save a little bit of money in this deal and they get the better quarterback. They get Matthew Stafford, who has... Uh, like eight, four thousand plus receiving or passing seasons, uh, five thousand yards once, uh, over thirty touchdowns multiple times, twenty touchdowns like every time. He's accurate. Uh, he's a gritty. He's a tough quarterback. Give it your all. He's a quarterback with the game on the line. He's one of the few quarterbacks that I want. Why? Because he comes back, he has like 38 game-winning drives since he's been in the league, like one of the most ever, if not the most. It is insane to watch Matthew Stafford come back and orchestrate comes back because he keeps his team in the game. Defense will falter. 
he'll keep his team in the games. Does he have the wins? No, he's had a poor offensive line. He's had a poor defense. Some of the losses have been on him, but Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback, and Rams were elevated to just, you know, division contenders to Super Bowl contenders in that one trade. They're atop of the NFC West for me right now. To me, they're the better team right now than the Seahawks, the Rams. I'm the Rams are the Rams. They're better. The Rams are better than the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Cardinals. Uh, it was really close this year between the Rams and the Seahawks. Seahawks won the division, but guess what? Rams got their revenge in a playoff game. The Rams will be better than the Seahawks next year. Uh, Rams will be better than the Cardinals. We know their situation. I don't foresee them. They're going to get more mature, uh, more progression, but I don't see them taking their next step. And then 49ers dealt with a bunch of injuries this year. They'll come back next year stronger, but they have no chance. Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback. They were in one of the discussions for Matthew Stafford, but the Rams pulled the deal and got the job done. This was a huge trade. Huge trade. Very top of the NFC West now. And not only are we at top of the NFC West, to me, it could be a top of the NFC. To me, uh, depending on what happens, you know, with the way the Packers and Aaron Rodgers really beat up this Rams team, I'm nervous to say they're the best team in the NFC. I think the Packers are slightly ahead of them. And depending on the Bucks' offseason, uh, if the Bucks largely stay intact with their team, Tom Brady returns, all that, Chris Godwin, people resign, I'll still put the Bucks. So, but to me, Rams are a top three team in the NFC. Uh, NFC East is no competition, so Rams are a top three team in the NFC with this Matthew Stafford trade and are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Lions did get a decent haul. They got Jared Cuff, a quarterback who's overpaid. Uh, amazing talent, though. He has great talent. It was on display when he made it to the Pro Bowl and was playing lights out when he was dueling against Mahomes. And you thought, oh, this is going to be a show to watch in the future. It hasn't been the same. So you're either going to have a quarterback revival here in Detroit is what he's going to have. He's going to be like, oh, I need to play better. This is this is it. This could be it for me. So these are going to have a career renaissance in Detroit, or he's just going to prove to be a, a fraud, and he'll be done with Detroit, and they'll get a new quarterback. So it's really going to test out. So I don't think they're going to use their pick on a quarterback the lines because they have Jared Goff. But it'll be interesting to see what they do do. Now with the extra third-round pick, it definitely is a quality pick in this draft. This draft is very deep wide receiver group, and they'll need one depending on the free agents they sign or not, because guess what? Jared Goff's going to need weapons to throw to to evaluate him. Uh, if you give him no weapons, uh, that'll be a problem because he's not a mobile quarterback. And then they get the Rams first-round pick in 2022, first-round pick in 2023, and that's, to me, Rams think they're going to win the Super Bowl or be in the Super Bowl. So guess what? To them, the pick isn't worth it because they'll have a 31-32 draft pick by their projections. So to them, it's useless because guess what? A Super Bowl or a round one pick? A team would choose a Super Bowl anytime. So that's what they're choosing and that's what they're projecting. But I think it might work out for them. But really, the Lions, that isn't 
going to be. I, to me, I don't see the Rams being terrible, top 10 worst team in the next two years. So a draft pick isn't high. It's a first round is a first round pick. Even with the end of the draft pick, we see Lamar Jackson. We see Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So you still get quality, quality talent from the end of a first round. Uh, but you just have to hit the draft mark. That's something that the Lions haven't done recently with their uh, drafting lately. But new coach, new GM, Brad Holmes, uh, scouting, drafting guru. We're going to see what he does with these picks, see what he does with his third rounder, see how good he does with this draft class. And it'll really, to me, be an evaluation for the next couple of years. If he hits home runs here, I'll be totally confident in the round one picks that they have next year and the year after that. Because the Lions did get a decent haul. He's 32 years old. He has his injuries. I'm not saying Matthew Stafford is a perfect quarterback because he isn't. But to win football games, he's very capable of winning football games. And now Detroit is definitely in more of a rebuild than just a retool on the fly. As a Lions fan, I was very hurt, very upset. Matthew Stafford has been my quarterback for so long. He's kind of been the only reliable one. Before then, we've had like quarterbacks shift in and out, and it just wasn't a good situation. Like the Browns, they were having quarterbacks shift in and out before they found their QB in Baker Mayfield. Very much so with the Lions, they had QB shift in and out, going 0-16 before they found their quarterback in Matthew Stafford. So Matthew Stafford is the greatest quarterback in Lions franchise history. That's uh, to some people, the pessimists will say, oh, but you know, that's not saying much. But to Lions fans and how faithful the Lions fan base is, it was amazing seeing Matthew Stafford play and some of the runs he took the team and the playoffs at the one time and just keeping them in games, keeping them relevant because he's Matthew Stafford. He's good. He's a good, good quarterback. And now I'm going to have to root for him on the Rams. I'm still going to root for the Lions, but now I have rooting interest and the Rams from Matthew Stafford. I wish him well, and I want him to win the Super Bowl. He's done what other players couldn't. Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, stayed on the team, just retired early. Uh, Matthew Stafford got what he wished for, got the trade. Uh, players have more control nowadays, and he's on a different team. So I'm going to root for the heck for Matthew Stafford and the Rams. I just hand that jersey becomes available. I'm getting a Matthew Stafford jersey. Uh, that's all there is about it. And now there's this talk on, which I'm happy for, uh, Matthew Stafford. To me, it's funny. He wanted to trade Deshaun Watson going through the same thing, but Brett Favre had to speak up about it. He had something to say about, you know, just, and I don't think Deshaun's unhappy with his money. Uh, he's just unhappy where he's at. This definitely, to me, people are comparing it to, uh, Ingram shut up and dribble comments. But with LeBron James, but this is totally different. Uh, that was like out of left field, whereas Brett Favre knew what he was talking about. He said, hey, and I think I'm paraphrasing here, is he's happy he has his money. Uh, you know, you do your field, but he said he wishes him the best. And he acknowledges why he requested that trade, because guess what? It's a dysfunctional organization, dysfunctional franchise, and that's why he wanted out. So to me, there's no problem with that at all. Uh, I don't think Brett Favre's intentions were bad at all. Uh, I'm not stunned because that's what people say. But was it timely? No, it wasn't. Was it the right thing to say? 
you know, no, it wasn't, but was it untasteful? Was it wrong? No, he can have his opinion. So I'm totally fine with that, uh, with what Deshaun wants to do and wants to leave the Houston Texans because I want to leave him too. J.J. Watt wants to leave too. I mean, come on now. I'm sorry, Houston. Uh, At least you have Beyonce. I love Beyonce. Other huge news. The college football video game is back. That's huge college football news. I love video games. Uh, The college football franchise uh, was my favorite of all time. I had my dynasties go so long, and it was amazing. Oh, I love that game so much. I had the 2014 uh, Denard Robinson one for so long until I had no console or use for it anymore, so I got rid of it. But to have that back in the fold is going to be amazing, just amazing. I cannot wait to play that again. And to me, people are like, oh, EA, EA, Madden, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It's a college football game. Be happy. You know you're going to pony up $60 to buy it. I'm going to pony up $60 to buy it. And to me, if they keep it more in tune to the old college, what people want, guess what? It's going to be fine. They're still going to make money either way. So I'm just happy college football is back. Other college football news. Uh, Signing day was yesterday, and Alabama is still the best. Uh, was reading that this could be Saban's best class ever of uh, talent coming out of it, and it's insane. Twenty-two, or I mean, yeah, twenty-two ESPN uh, three hundred roster commits. So out of ESPN's top three hundred, they got twenty-two seven five-star recruits. I mean, basically, with those twenty-two, it's basically a team. They have an offense and a defense of just three hundred, the best three hundred football players. That's insane. No other school. Has come close to that. Ohio State has five, five-star recruits, and then you have other teams underneath them. You know, four, threes with the Clemsons, the LSU's, the Georgias of the world, but nothing, nothing comes close to Alabama. Alabama is the cream of the crop. Players want to win, uh, and they know with maybe they're not the best player, they'll get developed well there. They'll stay and they'll win championships. It's like the Bosch and Beckler. Uh, those who stay will be champions. Right now, that is not true of Michigan, but that is true of Alabama. You stay, and you'll be a champion. And more likely than not, you'll be a multiple champion because you have the GOAT as a head coach. Not Bill Belichick, uh, Nick Saban. Nick Saban's a GOAT of coaching in general. So that is why people come to play for him. It doesn't matter who comes, who goes. He's still going to win championships. That's how good he is. He's amazing at it. He's simply amazing. But Michigan was able, I'm a huge Michigan fan, I know I've said this before, they were able to flip some recruits. Uh, This was pegging to be just a decent return, but they flipped a couple defensive guys. Uh, So Bear Hall, I think ESPN have him at 14, CBS at 10. So they're just in that range. To me, they're the second best team in the Big Ten, and this is what I don't get with Michigan. The second best recruiting class to Ohio State. So to me, you have the second best recruiting class. You have team players wanting to come to your school. Uh, if Ohio State's number one, you should be eleven and one every year. If you're the third to Penn State or whatever, uh, Penn State second, you should be ten and two because you're gonna play Penn State, Ohio State every year. But if Ohio State's number one, the expectations for Michigan are so high because they get a good class, and uh, maybe they're not gonna get uh, 
the depth of Alabama, Ohio State. But guess what? We're going to get some good kids, and it's up to Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the team to develop them, to coach and develop. And that's what Jim Harbaugh used to do so well. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he just became complacent. But I think with his uh, contract restructure, I think we could see a new Michigan. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm not just blindly walking in. I'm hopeful for Michigan. I want them to succeed. I want them to do well. And to me, they have the second best recruiting class in the Big Ten. They should be 11-1 this year. Anything lower than 11-1 is a disappointment. To me, I'm used to losing to Ohio State. It's sad that I'm used to losing to them, uh, a hated rival. But that's just how it is. I can't change it. But anything less than 11-1 for Michigan is total and utter failure. And then moving on, a little bit of NBA news. NBA's kind of talked about all over. And guess what? There's only there's only like two or three things to talk about with the NBA. You have the Brooklyn Nets, the best offense in the NBA, uh, with the worst defense. But guess what? It doesn't matter if they have a worse defense because their scores are Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. They're unstoppable on offense. They are unstoppable. You can't really stop them. You can outscore them. You definitely can. But you can't just stop them. You can't just get force them to like 90 points or 85 points, a low-scoring game. It's like for them to all be cold on the same night, like even with their rotational players like Joe Harris, it's very unlikely. They have a cream of the cup crop in the East. Yes, they'll lose a few growing pains, chemistry, uh, resting. But they have a cream of the crop. I'm sorry, Giannis. Uh, your reign is done in the East for now. Uh, Pacers are good, but you're no match for them. So that's one team done. Uh, then in the West, you've got L.A. versus L.A. And the Lakers are the best defensive team in the league with AD on the floor. With AD not on the floor, they're definitely not the best defensive team, or to me, top five at all. When you have a defensive player be your candidate, that's how important he is to your team. And so the show is going to be the Clippers versus the Lakers. And to me, Clippers are always in talks with somebody, engaging in talks with Russell Westbrook, uh, engaging in talks with Bradley Beal. Uh, if they get Bradley Beal, I think the Lakers, Lakers are done because they have the three of Kawhi, PG-13, and Bradley Beal. Uh, right now, they only have two. Same with Lakers, LeBron and AD. But LeBron's the best player. He's a game changer. Uh, if they got Bradley Beal, it'd be very, very scary. And very, very sad news for LeBron and the Lakers. That's not how they want to go facing that team at all. But Bradley Beal, he said, I don't think he's, I think he said he didn't want to trade. Uh, commendable, but come on. You can request a trade. I know the loyalty thing, but dude, you can request a trade. You deserve it. You deserve to win. You just look so frustrated on the Washington Wizards. I know you've won a couple games now in a row. You're picking up some steam, but... They're terrible defensively. If uh, the as long as see if they were, if Russell Westbrook was more potent offensively, uh, like the Nets, you know your defense could with withstand it. But since Russell Westbrook is just on offense, he lacks his explosiveness. His athleticism is dropped. His shooting is terrible. Then guess what? They're not going to do anything. So the Washington Wizards, I'm sorry, trade badly, Beal. Deny him his one wish of not being traded. 
and trade him to a contender. Not like the Clippers, but like the Lakers. Let's If the Lakers were to offer for Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, a second round pick, a first round pick, and a pick swap, you think they take it? I would. You never know. Uh, younger players, draft picks, uh, says a lot for Bradley Beal, who's a young stud, but we're not going to the promised land anytime soon. Then in college basketball, Michigan still has like a week before they play, which is so frustrating, so frustrating because I want to watch them play. Uh, so it's going to be scary to see them off of such a long layoff. But tonight, you got a couple big games, Gonzaga versus Pacific. I'd say that's a big game only because Gonzaga is good. Pacific is not good, so the Zags are going to roll all over Pacific. But the real big game tonight is Ohio State and Iowa. Ohio State is 7th in the nation. Iowa is 8th. This is going to be, as Dick Vitale would say, a dandy. This game is going to be amazing. Iowa's favored. Remember home team, Luca Garza, is amazing. Rest of the team, not as amazing as him, but he's good. Ohio State plays a very uh, complete, well-balanced offense and defense. They're really good. And this is huge for, you know, divisional and seeding purposes because Iowa, even though they have the same record, Iowa's better in the conference. They have the edge. They beat Ohio State tonight. This would be huge, huge for them. And But if Ohio State wins, you know, now they have the one-up on Iowa, and that's huge for them as well. Uh, so I see this game going both ways. To me, this is a, what do I want to say? This is like a March Madness type game. I don't expect a blowout. I expect this to be very, very close. Uh, Iowa's eked out a lot of close ones. To me, I feel like Ohio State is a more complete team uh, without a dominant player such as uh, Luca Garza. So I'm rolling with Ohio State. I know Iowa's favored. They're at home, but home court don't mean anything uh, right now. So I'm going with Ohio State. It's close, but I have to go with the Ohio State Buckeyes. It pains me to say it. Definitely not in my rooting interest. I'm not going to root for them. I'm not going to say go Bucks or anything like that. But definitely just picking the Bucks. Maybe it's a jinx and they lose. Totally fine with Iowa winning. Then, moving on to NHL. Capitals Rangers tonight. Rangers, worst team in the East. Uh, Capitals, like the second best in the East. Uh, they're playing really well after their little bout with COVID and being reprimanded by the league. Uh, they turn it on. They're like just a constant, constant, amazing regular season team. Always producing a regular season with Kuzi and Ovi and Wilson and Oshi. Uh, their goalie situation isn't that bad. And the Rangers have just kind of looked like how they were in the bubble. They have spurts of greatness, but I don't know if it's a coach or they, they just don't seem to mesh right now, even with their number one overall pick and Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, he hasn't really uh, been amazing or Calder Cup worthy, but you have that huge game tonight in the Capitals and Rangers. It would have been more intriguing, especially if Henrik Lundqvist were playing. For the Capitals, that rematch of teams. But he's not. Uh, so tonight, I'm rolling with the Caps. 
I kind of want the Rangers to win to help out my Pittsburgh Penguins situation. But the Rangers aren't winning. Uh, to me, they're too discombobulated, too disheveled to win and stay competitive in this game. So I think the Capitals will win and win handily. Then you got the Stars versus Blue Jackets. And, you know, Patrick Liney just came over. That huge trade he's playing. Uh, Stars just won big against the Blue Jackets. Or, uh, yeah, it was the Stars. And I expect that to continue. I expect the Stars to win again tonight. The Stars are really good with Klingberg and Heiskanen. Uh, Joe Pavelski, I mean, that team is just really, really good. Their balance, their coach has coached them well. And they look like where they left off on the bubble, just playing really solid hockey. And to me, the Blue Jackets still have to find their footing uh, after that huge trade. Uh, John Tortorella has to adjust some things on offense, uh, get Patrick Line in the right positions, put him in the correct chances to score and produce for this team like he can. He was my Rocket Richard favorite. Uh, I won't change that, but I don't think it'll happen now since he is on this Blue Jackets team because that's not the way John Tortorella works. He doesn't get players to score 40 goals. Unless it was like Rick Nash at one year. Then you have the Coyotes and the Blues. And the Coyotes are just a sorry team. They really are. They're sorry. They're pathetic. They'll never be good again. As much as I love the Arizona Coyotes, I root for them. I live here in Arizona. Those are the games I go to. They're not good. They blow leads. They choke. That's all they are. They're, they're a Ponzi scheme. They're like fake NHL. It's sad to watch. I wish I could say something else about them, but they're not good. So tonight when they play a real hockey team like the Blues with uh, Krug and uh, Shin and Dunn and those boys, guess what's going to happen to them? They're going to get beat again. It doesn't matter if they're leading. It doesn't matter if they're up. The Blues will come back and win. That's just coyote hockey. Coyote hockey is finding ways to lose hockey games. That's what they do, and until they find ways to win hockey games, then we can have a different discussion. I'm allowed to be harsh on the Coyotes, because all I do is watch them, and all they do is continually disappoint me. So, they can have the lead, they can have their little moments, but until they find ways to win games, please don't talk to me about the Coyotes. I'm sorry. Uh, That's all there is to it. And then lastly, you have a heated rivalry in the Calgary Flames versus the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, these two teams don't like each other. It's evident. Blake Wheeler and Matt Sh- Mark Scheifele and company don't like Kachuk and Gaudreau. And that team it is a fun rivalry to watch. Two teams really not liking each other. A lot of disdain for each other. Uh, but I'm rolling with the team with the better goalie, Connor Hellebuck. I'm rolling with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I'm not a Flames fan at all. I'm definitely more of a Jets fan. I don't like the Flames. I'm still going off to say that that hit on from Kachuk on Shifley was dirty last year in the bubble. I saw how it is. Uh, I'm glad Shifley's playing healthy, playing well. And, you know, go Jets tonight. Uh, beat those Flames. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to watch. That's it on the NHL front. Then going segueing into golf, I'm a huge golf fan. You can guess what tournament's here? The Waste Management Open, the Phoenix Open is here this weekend. Almost had tickets. I actually could have had tickets. Nobody wanted to go to me. So, you know, that that's that was sad. I could have had a bird's box 
uh, skybox or whatever for the 16th hole, one of the best holes in all of golf, if not the best hole in golf, and nobody wanted to go with me. But you have Matthew Nesmith leading right now at minus 8. You have Xander Schauffele, minus 5, tied for 5th. Uh, Brooks Kepka, heavy hitter at 11th, minus 3. And you have McElroy down for minus 1. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out this weekend as Thursday to Saturday are the best days and then nobody watches it on Sunday because of the Super Bowl. Uh, that's everybody's main attention. And just side note on the Super Bowl is that's going to be all tomorrow's talk. Uh, people have been talking about it, but I'm going to go in depth tomorrow about that matchup that I am so looking forward to. My Patrick Mahomes jersey came in today. I am repping that. I'm going to be repping that the rest of the weekend. Oh my. Ooh, I cannot wait to talk about that game. That is going to be good stuff. Then, other news. uh, Stock-related. The Dow Jones was up today, uh, but everything else uh, was down. Everything on my watch list was down. Even big-name companies, Microsoft, Tesla, Google, my Tesla went down. Uh, GameStop and AMC are dead. I'm sorry. Get out. It's dead gone. It's all going down. The short squeeze is over. Uh, We won. We did it. I sold my AMC. I'm sorry. It's not paper hands, but diamonds hands are over. There's no more holding the line. Uh, We sold. We got our profits. Uh, We got what we needed to do. We sent the message that we needed to send. Wall Street Bets did that. But I'm happy that I made some money. I lost some money. So net gain of nothing in that because I went in on GameStop. Then I went in on AMC a bit too late. But at least I didn't lose $700,000 like the Barstool Sports guy. That would have been a bummer. But we'll see what happens in the stock market tomorrow. But it definitely was a tremendous squeeze. After hours, you know, those things keep on going down. AMC, GameStop, uh, Tesla. So Black Thursday was today. Black Friday could definitely be continuing tomorrow for the penny stocks of the world. Uh, Which is sad, but that's what happens. After hours, the biggest gain is Lakes Inc. It. 61%, 61%, but nothing huge has gone up. After hours, nothing huge has gone down. Uh, it could just be a basic day. Uh, sundial, to me, has kind of been the most constant in and out. So I might get on on Sundial. If anybody's in on Sundial growers or growth, uh, let me know. Hook a brother up. Let me know what it's about uh, before I jump in with my money. Then it's huge, too. Now, I'm going to tell you. I love movies. My mom loves movies. The Golden Globe nominees were announced yesterday. Ooh, I'm so excited. But the one thing I have to do now is I have to watch all those movies. Because last year, you had all those movies announced. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, uh, Joker, uh, Little Women, uh, Ford vs. Ferrari. You had all those movies. And guess what? I basically saw them all before... Uh, the Golden Globes Oscars before all that. So I was I was caught up. 1917, you know, I was in the loop. So I really didn't have to do much catching up. It was amazing. I was like, hey, I've already watched all this. But now I have to go back. There's like maybe two that I've seen. So now I have to go back and I have like 24 days 
to watch and do all this. So that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to give you my early predictions just based on what I've read, what I've seen uh, before I go and watch them. Then when I watch them, I'll definitely be leaving reviews on here as well. Uh, so, yep, this next part of my show, no sports. It's all Golden Globe stuff. Drama, you have a bunch of capable winners, but I'm going with Nomadland. I've heard nothing but great things about Nomadland. I have a director uh, Chloe Zhao, Zhao, I hope is her name. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Francis McDormand uh, was amazing in it to me. That's what I hear is the main thing. Yes, you have uh, the one promising young woman, Mank, uh, but to me, you have a father, but Nomad Land, to, from what I've heard, is going to be the best. I'm looking forward to that movie so much. I know it comes out in a couple of weeks. I am so looking forward to that. I love dramas. To me, the drama category is definitely the superior category of the two between that and musical. So to me, I really don't see much of the musicals. Last year was different. I like Elton John, saw Rocketman. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was on that one. So this year, I'm just rolling with Hamilton. Not familiar with The Prom or any of them. But to me, Hamilton has the best following. And for a Golden Globe, that seems primed to win. Uh, Actress in a drama, leading actress... Uh, Frances McDormand, again, uh, she's just a tremendous, tremendous actress. Already won for the three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, she won for Fargo. I mean, she's a great actress. And to me, I see her continuing this run here as well. Of course, you have uh, other ones as well in this category, but none are as superior as Frances. Uh, Vanessa Kirby and pieces of a woman but Francis is a clear favorite and actor drama uh, best actor in a drama this was tough for me uh, really between two of uh, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal and Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom and I still have to see both of them but I've heard great things about Riz Ahmed but from also what I've heard with Chadwick it's amazing uh, and with Chadwick's passing earlier last year uh, were devastating. I think he's going to win. I think he's going to have a posthumous uh, win, and he's going to uh, take home the globe. And I hope that for him and his family. Now, moving on to actress in a comedy. Uh, to me, it's easy. Anya Taylor-Johnson, or my, oh my, Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya is the actress on fire this year. Emma was good. Saw that before the pandemic hit earlier in the year. That movie was amazing. Uh, It was fun. So I like her coming out of that. And she's just had a great year with that. Uh, New Mutants, Queen's Gambit, which we'll get into a little bit. But Anya is breaking out to me she was already a star uh from not just this movie but split as well she's amazing uh but this i think that's going to get her her golden globe then again i never know with the comedy ones uh actor in a comedy i think it's going to be lynn manuel miranda uh the hamilton star the face of hamilton uh i just think this is hamilton's time it's one of the tony's it's won whatever other awards it's won. Uh, so why not just win a Golden Globe? Why not just get it done with when you're Golden Globe? 
Now supporting actress. Uh, to me, the favorite is Olivia Coleman. It seems like she's just loved by everybody. Loved by the people who's uh, HFCPA or whatever for the Golden Globes, the Academy. She's just, she's Olivia Coleman. She's the favorite, literally, the favorite. Uh, the crown. In depth, she is a good actor, but actress. So, but I just see her winning because all she does is win. I see her bear. They scan the awards. I see her. I'm like, oh, she's up for something. She's going to win. She's Olivia Coleman. She's Olivia Colwyn. And why not? Oh, that's another movie I'm looking forward to, The Father. If it's good, like I say, I'm definitely going to have to root for Olivia Coleman to win this award. Now, supporting actor uh, was tough, but I had to go with Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. This is that's been getting a lot of promotion lately, a lot of press on that. I think that movie will be really, really good. Uh, about you know, you know the story of uh, Judas and uh, Jesus, and you know the informant, the friend who betrays him. Seeing how that plays out, I think that's going to be really good. Uh, that movie I'm looking forward to. Uh, best director, uh, again, all amazing talent here. A lot of women, more women than men in this category this time around. Uh, Regina King, Chloe Zhao, and then I forget the other one. I think for Promising Young Woman. But guess what? Nomadland's going to be the best movie. So I'm going with Chloe Zhao. That's how it is. That's what's going down. Screenplay was tough. I wanted to go Chloe Zhao again for Nomadland. But sometimes it doesn't usually always roll with the screenplay, the director, best motion picture, especially in the Golden Globe. Academy, you know, Parasite, you know, it swept it all. Academy is more, like, strict to me, whereas... Golden Globe will get you an award. So I think The Trial of the Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin, a great screenwriter, I'll win this award. It's definitely an underdog pick. That's who I'm going. Animated feature, it's going to be Soul. That was a good movie. To me, I liked, I liked Onward more. I really, that, had me, that had me crying. That movie was so good, so touching. But Disney's Disney, one of them is going to win. Uh, but Soul, Soul has got, to me, that one in the bag. Best foreign is going to be Minari. Still need to see it. And to me, I'm surprised from what I've read of how that was not included for just best film in general. Last year, it felt like they broke it. And Parasite, because Parasite was so good, a foreign film really getting national recognition. And now it's time to take a step back because you had Roma, you had Minari, now you have, or Roma, Parasite, now Minari. Now he's not up for it. We'll see if it goes to the Academy. But to me, that I need to watch that. But it just looks like another great foreign film that um, should be recognized on a national level, not just foreign. Drama series. Ooh, here we go. Uh, the Crown is the favorite. But I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm a Star Wars nerdy. Mandalorian is up. So you know what? I'm rolling with the Mando. That show, to me, even if people don't like Star Wars, they don't watch 1 through 6 or 1 through 9 or the spinoffs. Guess what? People watch Disney Plus, and they watch The Mandalorian. To me, it's just a nationwide phenomenon. Is what it is. People just are connected to a person caring for another person and kind of guiding him on his journey. So, to me, The Mandalorian... It's got this. It is compelling. It's touching. 
you really it ties into the bigger Star Wars universe, but it's not necessary to watch everything. And to me, The Mandalorian is one of the best shows out there. Comedy series, I feel like comedy's a wrap. Uh, it's going to be Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek is what's going to be racking up awards. Uh, to me, it's going to be an Emmys repeat. Uh, it was loved on the Emmys, won all these Emmys. So why not just win all these Golden Globes? Yes, it's funny. So yep, Shit's Creek to me is comedy series, and every comedy thing that we come up will be winners for Shit's Creek. Here we go. TV for a motion picture, limited television series, just one season. Uh, my show of the year next to Mandalorian, how good it was, was The Queen's Gambit. That show was amazing. Led by Anya Taylor-Joy. She was so good in that show. And I, I've loved chess for so long. I was like in a chess club in the sixth grade. I love chess. So watching a movie develop so, so well, not just about chess, but about this person, this character, her story arc being in her the girl home and then being adopted, losing her mom, the dad estranging her, making money, being wealthy, uh, just the whole drugs and then... You know, she's out of that pass. She wins because she couldn't beat the... I mean, oh, it was so rousing. It was so good. Captivated my attention. One of the few shows that was just so binge-worthy, I had to finish it. I finished it. I could have finished it in one day if I didn't work. But I finished it in two days because of how good it was. It was so amazing, which leads us into the actress for limited TV series or TV motion picture, which is Anya Taylor-Joy in Queen's Gambit. Because she was so good. Her range was so good. Her dancing uh, high and uh, just the, her character starting out is this, you know, nice, sweet little girl. And then what happens to her and what she does and her coming back at the end winning. I mean, it just has all the elements of a great show. I love The Queen's Gambit so much. Uh, and it has rejuvenated my love for chess. Thank you, Anya. Thank you for being such a good actress. Thank you for blessing us all with this series and with, to me, the best performance of the year, hands down. doesn't matter if it's a TV show or not. Thank you. Actor for a TV motion pick. None of these, to me, were familiar uh, shows, not the people. So I, I had to go with Mark Ruffalo. had to roll with my boy, Mark I love him. Again, I love Marvel. He's the Hulk to me. And to me, this just seems like a pick. He's going to win. It just does. And what about actress in a drama series? Guess what? Olivia Coleman's going to be picking up two Golden Globes tonight. Uh, it's not like she wins in the crown all the time. So guess what? She's going to win again for the crown. Because she's that good. She's that good in the crown. Uh, she's captivating in the, in the crown as a queen. She is amazing. Uh, so she's definitely picking up another Golden Globe for this performance. Actor in a drama series. Uh, this was tough, but I had to go with Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul. Don't know much, but that was just my gut pick. Actress in a comedy series, Catherine O'Hara for Schitt's Creek. Uh, and actor in a comedy series, Eugene Levy, Levi in a sh for Schitt's Creek. And Schitt's Creek is going to dominate... 
Again, all the comedy things. It's going to be Shit's Creek. Uh, funny, yes. So, deserving, yes, why not? It's done. Have it be Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek can reign supreme. So that's going to be the Golden Globes. I'm excited. Sunday, February 28th. Ooh, I'll be tuning in. Me and my mom will be watching. It's nice because no sports will be on on Sundays. At least major sports like football. Don't need to watch it. So I'll be talking about that. I'll also be re- reviewing all these movies on here that I watch, which will be soon. I'll have some movie reviews up here. I am looking forward to doing that. Super Bowl is this weekend. That's going to be exciting. I'll have that breakdown tomorrow. All on the Chiefs and the Bucks. People have been breaking it down. But guess what? The most anticipation you have is the day, day before. And that's why I'm talking about it tomorrow. You know you talk about it Monday, but it gets lost in the sauce. That's why I'm talking about it tomorrow. I'm breaking down the Chiefs and the Bucks. Who's going to win? So before I wrap up, everybody, you know this is Get Your Goat. I have to finish with the Get Your Goat take. And to me, it was tough, but I was having this conversation with my brother earlier today. And to me, Russell Wilson is not a top five quarterback in the league this past year. I'm sorry. He was not a top five quarterback in the league this past year. Maybe if you want to say stretch of last five, then you can give it to him. I have to look at the statistics. We watched some games. But this last year, not a top five quarterback. Uh, He started off as season MVP, but he did not finish as a top five quarterback if I were to look and evaluate. To me, you got Patrick Mahomes. You got Aaron Rodgers. You got Tom Brady. Uh, now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna lose it, Josh. Now my quarterbacks that I had in my head are gone. Uh, Josh Allen at four. And to me, you could throw in a few at five if you wanted to. Uh, so, but to me, my number five would be. Uh, Oh, man. What did I have? Shoot. I had Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, and I wanted to say Matthew Stafford just because that's the one we were going back and forth against. But I can't say it. But I would have to say... uh, I don't want to say... What's his name? Oh, man. Uh, Lamar Jackson. I'd have to go to Sean Watson. That's my top five this past year. Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and now I just forgot again. Josh Allen. There we go. So to me, Russell Wilson did not make the top five cut. Uh, He was just outside probably at six or seven. But to me, those five quarterbacks were better. Let's do this fast so that I don't forget. It's official. It's solid. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Those were my top five quarterbacks this past year. Russell Wilson did not make the cut. He's not getting another MVP vote. And another thing I might add is I don't even think Russell Wilson will ever win a Super Bowl or come close to another Super Bowl again with Matthew Stafford there on the division. That's something me and my brother went at as well. And I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Uh, Russell Wilson's good. He's talented. Uh, But when it comes into clutch situations, he's needed. When it comes to, I need to be the one. He's not needed. And that's it. Seahawks window's closed until further developments, further things needed. That's my get your go take today. 
This has been the Get Your Goat Show. Josh Morani here. Happy to be with you all. Uh, keep on subscribing. Uh, give me any feedback any way possible. Reach out to me through my website. I appreciate you all. Bye, everybody.